Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Freecast. I am Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince, and we're going to talk about some DC Comics. But first, we have to talk about the DC Universe streaming service. While there's still a lot that is unknown about it, such as the price, such as the exact contents of various elements of the service, we do have a better idea of what it will look like now. We know that there are a number of original shows that will be launching, starting with Titans this fall. We know that there will be, quote, thousands of DC Comics available as part of it. We know there will be exclusive merchandise and a social media aspect, or, I'm sorry, rather a social network aspect of the service. We know there will be a number of uh, streaming uh, series and and films from DC's past. Uh, well, we'll get to what's included in that in a minute. Um, and it seems like there will be a, a fair amount of exclusive interviews, previews, that sort of thing taking place on there as well. So overall, I know it's hard to talk about this without a price, because the price sort of means everything in this game, but what do you guys think about this service uh, on the surface? Is the Snyder Cut going to be on it? I don't think so, unfortunately. Because we're the exclusive home for the Snyder Cut. <laughs> Multiversitycomics.com, stay tuned to 2020. That's we, right. have, we have numerous donors pledging... <laughs> hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars to fund it and you can make your contribution too yes um, you can next week we'll be announcing all the details of our hashtag release the snyder cut dc comics uh takeover that we are planning for 2020 you would not believe how few uh, vape cartridges it took to get Ben Affleck on board to film some <laughs> scenes for us. <laughs> oh. The big difference in our version of the Snyder Cut is that we have run everything by Zack Snyder, including scenes he had nothing to do with. We have him recording exclusive commentary for the film. We even have him recording commentary for every DC film ever made. So if you want to hear his commentary in the 80s Swamp Thing films... That's coming up. Jonah Hex, you betcha. The 1940s Batman serials, we got Snyder for those too. Mm-hmm. So the Snyder and, cut is deep, my friends. Yeah, and not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we actually, I'm going to go ahead and break this now. We recast Deathstroke as Zack Snyder, and <laughs> he is actually Bruce Wayne. Yes, so. Uh, or, again, no, the other way around. <laughs> I'm so confused. Zach well, knows, though. It will we'll all be made clear in the Snyder Cut 2020, multiversitycomics.com. It's going to take us over a year to put this together because we are that serious about it. We are not half-assing this. We are going to be the official hashtag release the Snyder Cut location. So, <laughs> stay tuned, 2020, multiversitycomics.com. Anyway, um, so what do you guys think about the streaming service without knowing the price? I mean, I can't wait for that R-rated Titans goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if if Beast Boy, if we see Beast Boy's hog, I'm in. <laughs> Basically, what if, what if there's a scene where he unzips his pants and his dick is actually a hog because he's a Beast Boy? <laughs> so 
he's he's gonna say something like I'm hung like a horse, and then he's gonna turn into a horse and yeah, show his big old thing. Um, Nay, <laughs> no, I'm I'm in, especially with the addition of the comics. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the big kicker for me, um, for sure. But I I think. On paper, it sounds like a brilliant idea. I don't know if any of these new shows are going to be any good. Um, I'm a little worn out on superhero television, so I don't know. I I might give them a short leash. Um, But the comics, the old animated series, remasters, um, another social media network for me to embarrass myself on sounds good. Um yeah, oh, but, man, bar- I'm barring... excited for that. That'll be like the oh, worst of comic Twitter. You know, it's gonna that be worse. Will... It's gonna be terrible. That will be where the majority of our release of Snyder Cut funding comes from, though. <laughs> oh man, Some it's gonna be like ads on the DC Universe social media app is all we need. It's, it's gonna be like that one like secret Twitter for racists. It's called like Gab or something. It's called Twitter. <laughs> yeah yep basically um yep that's where all the snyder truthers are going to be that's where all the people who um burn comics over the costumes are going to be that's where all the anti-social justice warrior people are going to be so, yeah it's going to be wait, awesome wait, hang on a second if the costumes aren't great can it be a 10 out of 10 um If a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? All right, let's get off of our bullshit and actually talk about the service now. Um, <laughs> Zach, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm in for the comics. The TV shows, I'm not... I mean, uh, a lot of the animated stuff is already available on other streaming services that I subscribe to, and that means that it's probably no longer going to be, or you know, at least it won't be the HD whatever that we're going to get the remastered. So, I mean, that's kind of, you know, Oh, there's one more thing I'm going to have to subscribe to. In addition to the, you know, the Disney thing that I'm going to have to subscribe to all the subscription services. My, I don't like to think about it, but, um, I'm in for the comics for sure. See the comics are the, are the area that's given me a bit of pause. And I've seen a lot of folks talk about this, um, online because, all DC is saying about the comics right now is there'll be thousands of comics that will be curated for your, you know, reading pleasure or whatever. And that really depends on how it's curated and who is the one curating it. Like, what I don't want to see is I don't want to see big chunks of DC's history ignored because it's considered unimportant or... Um, it doesn't tie into a franchise that's coming out in film or whatever. I want to be able to read that weird stuff. Well, it, Brian, Infinity I'm, I'm Man to... and the Forever People, baby. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to announce that the DC3 cast will be the official curators Uh-oh. of the DC Universe. Um, it's going to be all Legion all the time. All and... Starman all the time. Everything Morrison and nothing else. Well, I mean, I'm sold then. No, but, but really, you know, I I um I I understand the need 
to curate in, in some regards. There's a lot of comics out there, and a lot of them DC probably don't want online for a number of reasons, and there might even be some licensing issues there. I get it. But, excuse me, as I yell on, um, I also don't want, like, I, I've read Action Comics number one enough times in my life. You know, I, I don't know if I need all of, I don't know if I need it to be everyone's first appearances and all the major crossovers, because if you think about the, just the sheer amount of characters and the sheer number of years that DC's been making comics for, 2,000 comics may not be as impressive as it sounds. You know. Yeah. It'll it'll probably have growing pains. It's not going to be the Marvel Unlimited right out of the gate. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it Yeah, it does matter. It matters what it includes, for sure. Now let's talk about what they have said will be part of the uh, the video library. They've promised the Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher Batman movies, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, the first couple seasons of Batman the Animated Series, all, I believe all of the DC direct-to-video animated films that have come out in the last, you know, 10 or so years. Um, They've shown uh, clips from the Linda Carter Wonder Woman series. Um, nice. Aside from that, though, they have not said Justice League or Justice League Unlimited. They have not said Batman 66. They have not said any of the CW shows, likely because I know there's an, a Netflix agreement with those shows um, that probably has more to do with the CW than it does with Warner Brothers. Um, they haven't said, like, there's a whole treasure trove of 60s super cartoons. There was a Superboy cartoon, there was an Aquaman cartoon, um, you know, there hasn't been any talk of any of the sort of lesser known but equally weird and important DC series or films like the aforementioned Swamp Thing or the Shazam Isis Hour from the uh, 70s or like Adventures of Superman from the 50s or any of the, you know, original, um, serials that were out in the you know in the 30s and 40s there's a lot of stuff that i think if you're calling yourself like the the only home of dc superheroes if you don't include those things it feels a little bit incomplete now obviously this will all change as various licenses come up etc so in 10 years it might look more complete but to you guys does that limit the appeal of some of the older shows if there is if there are major gaps in the programming? I would probably not. I'm not the, the target for a lot of that stuff, I don't think. So I, I, I probably wouldn't watch a lot of that stuff. I might goof around and watch, like, you know, Batman and Robin for kicks every once in a while, but... Yeah, I'm I'm with Zach on that. I don't need, like... I don't need those cheesy 60s cartoons. Um... I need my Batman, the animated series, you know, potentially Batman Beyond, the Justice League shows, and at some point, you know. See, I feel uh, like I need the cheesy 80s <laughs> stuff more. Like, I need Super Friends. And that's okay. The, that's the stuff I grew because up it's watching. obscure? Oh, okay. No, it's because it's stuff I grew up watching. So, yeah, yeah that's the stuff that I care more about. Um, but yeah, that's a personal thing also. I don't know. You know, I... Uh, 
if you guys were watching Adventures of Superman with me, you could see how Superman essentially kills people a lot on that show. Yeah. Oh, man, that's... You know, I was such a big fan of Man of Steel, so... Yeah. Um, so far, he hasn't snapped anybody's neck, but two people found out his secret identity, so he put them on top of a mountain, and <laughs> and then said, I will bring you food and water to stay here. And they're like, no, we have to try and climb down, and they both fell to their death, and Superman kind of laughs about it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's honestly what happens in an episode of Adventures of Superman. So, Checks out. Yeah. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what was his what was his alternate plan? I'm going to bring you food and water forever. Yes, he essentially said you're going to die up here. You you will never be able to leave here, but I will make sure that you're okay. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In one episode, he uh, he essentially shakes Lois so hard that he ensures that she forgets something. It's like the reverse <laughs> Superman two, where he kisses her to to forget. Here, uh-huh. he just like shakes her to forget. He gives her Stockholm syndrome by like abusing her and then yeah, making her forget. That's yeah. great. Forget me nows. Forget me nows. It's so easy Did... to forget. <laughs> she does like a yeah. That's like a thing Don Draper would do. Oh, absolutely. shake Betty Draper until she forgets his identity. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Don Draper is Superman. Sorry. Anyway, well, he, he should be. He, he yes, that no. I would love that. That was the cue for you guys to then cast the rest of Mad Men as. The okay, okay, this okay. Is something we do all the time. So. Well, um, Ginsburg is Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> I mean, Roger Sterling is clearly Batman. He's a wealthy playboy <laughs> who does LSD and gets naked in his okay, office. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, yes. Uh, uh, Burt Cooper is like Hawkman, like the the uh, the keeper of the Justice Society, right? Oh, um, sure. Uh, uh, Peggy Olsen's Wonder Woman. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> but she could also be like, she could be Wonder Woman, or she could be like Babs. Oh, Joan! Yeah. Joan is. Uh, Joan gets a seat at the table. Joan is. The, uh, Joan is the Joan's Silver Wonder. Age Red Tornado. Golden <laughs> Age, Golden Age, Golden Age Red Tornado. Uh, Jonah's Power Girl. Anyway, oh <laughs> my don't, goodness! Don't don't don't, 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 um, don't don't do that. <laughs> Um, Duck Phillips is the freaking Joker. <laughs> oh, he's so twisted. He's twisted. No, no, no. I think. Into the streets. But no. I, but what about um, Jimmy Barrett? He could be the Joker. He could be oh, one of the other Jokers. Yeah, Jimmy Barrett the is the freaking Joker. Oh, you know who's the third Joker? He's, he's nuts. He's nuts for nuts. Yeah. Nuts for us. <laughs> you know who's the third Joker? Uh, what's What's the guy's name? He comes in when Don is like on hiatus, and he's the new, and then he creates the anime. Um, oh, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Alan um, Havy played him. What's his name? Yeah, uh, uh, fucking A. What's the name? I gotta look up the name of his, uh, Scout's Honor. Scout's Honor. Yes. Damn it. Who, pl- who, what was that character? Um, keep talking. I'm finding it. Don't worry. Lou Avery. Lou Avery. Yeah. Lou Avery. That's right. Yes. Lou Avery is the third Joker. Wait, he's the third Joker. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, okay, okay. So Stan is uh Stan Sitwell? <laughs> no. Is that we transition into <laughs> no, the rest Stan, um No, I know Stan uh Peggy's 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 yeah, Peggy's bow. Well, it depends on who we cast Peggy as. If, if Peggy's Rizzo. Wonder Woman, then... No, but I think we decided Peggy is Babs, right? So if she's he... Babs, then Stan is obviously Nightwing. Right, he's Nightwing. Yeah, he's got to lose that gut then. That's true. His ass um... is not up to standard. <laughs> there weren't a lot a lot of great asses on Mad Men, I don't no. think. Rod- Roger Sterling's was the only great ass that um, I saw. Mrs. Blankenship is... Uh... Martian Manhunter. <laughs> <laughs> so so is Betty or Megan Lois Lane in this scenario? Uh, um uh, because clearly um the real Don Draper is Jorel cuz he like births <laughs> he like he sends him off into the world with a name but nothing else. Um <laughs> And then his, or what if what if the real Don Draper is Superman and Don Draper is like the Eradicator? Oh, oh. And then, um, what's the name of uh, of the real Don Draper's wife? Uh, I can't think of her first name. Oh, Anna. oh, um, Anna. 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 She's totally Ma Kent. Now this is getting weird. This is getting too weird for me. <laughs> um, the king of the Bobo. That is an old school DC three cast reference. What did you say? Who is Bibbo? Is Bibbo. <laughs> okay, okay. Who is building? We before we let this die, we got to decide who Pete is. Oh, that's oh. true. Um, Pete, is, uh, Pete is Robin, but when Robin wears the the underwear <laughs> with legs with, without the his legs exposed. He's... <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I kind of think Pete's Lex Luthor. Yeah, he starts going bald towards the end yeah, of the. Yeah, his you're hair, right. His hairline is like deeper every every season. Yeah. But I really kind of like him as like Jason Todd or something. <laughs> yeah, Alan. He, I mean, uh, Lou Avery beats him to death with a crowbar. <laughs> yeah, I can see that actually. Yeah. That works. Oh, we are so on our bullshit tonight. It's um, too good. It's too good. Yeah, you, you should just cut this all out. No, our, we our, should not. No, this gonna is gold. Slow. People are just gonna be so mad at us. So, I mean, I, just to, just to close the book on the on the DC Universe um, platform here, it all comes down to price, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if this is five bucks a month, I'm happy to pay that. If this is any more than ten, I think it's going to be problematic. I I would predict nine ninety nine a month. I would know. Be I know. I've read something at the Disney upfronts last year, where they were saying that they're planning to do their streaming service much. They said that like if you look at all we have in our library, it is only a fraction of what Netflix can offer for ten dollars a month. And so we have to be less than that so people don't say, you know, Netflix, I'm making up these numbers, but, you know, Netflix offers 5,000 shows, you offer 1,000 shows, why are you the same amount of money as they are? Mm, sure. So if, if DC Universe takes a similar approach where they realize sort of the, the limit to their, um, to their library 
I think that'll be I think that'll be very smart, especially because I don't know. I don't know if this will ever have the crossover appeal of a Netflix or a Hulu. This is a niche thing, but yeah. because of the TV shows and the old films and all of that, I think they have the potential to make this a much larger subscription base than Marvel Unlimited is. Yeah, but like comparing it to the Disney thing too, I don't feel like um, like DC has anywhere near the like brand power of Disney either. Right. I, I feel like whatever Disney could pull, like D- DC needs to shoot for like half that. Absolutely. Um, and I do think that once the licenses start coming back into their favor, if this is successful, that will change a fair amount because it, those CW shows do have a huge following. You know, so if all of those are available as part of this app, that will make a big difference as opposed to. You know, I I'm sure there are some folks out there who are huge Lois and Clark, the new Avengers of Superman fans, who will subscribe for that. But I think that those people pale in comparison to the people who want to watch those CW shows. Dean Cain is a big fan. I've heard uh, that that is most likely the case. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, any other news you want to get to, gentlemen? Um, really quick, there was that cool anatomy of a metahuman book that got announced um, by Ming Doyle. Yeah, let's talk about that. that. Looks really, it looks really cool. Zach, why don't you give us a, sort of the uh, the elevator pitch for that book? So, the way I understand it, it's kind of a like in-universe type thing. Um, it's like written as if it is penned by Bruce Wayne, and it is kind of an illustrated guide to various metahumans um and and it's kind of drawn in the style of like a biology textbook almost with like um like bisections and and like like there's a weird there's a really weird page where like superman's skull there's like a cross section of superman's skull and you can like see inside his head and like it shows how his x-ray vision works And, and so it's a lot of that kind of stuff um, but the art is, you know, great. Um, and it's a, it's a really goofy concept on paper, but I think the way that it's being presented is really, it's really kind of cool. Yeah. I can be on board with this idea. Vince, what do you think? Yeah. I'm a huge Ming Doyle fan. So I, I think, it, I think it looks awesome. I don't need to know how Superman's, uh, anything works, but. But anything. if Ming Doyle's any anything even, I mean, I'd need to know. We're gonna get into it, but like, Jarrell has some like serious doubt about how how John could have even been conceived. Like, I, well, so so did Brody Bruce. I was just gonna say, uh, uh, Jarrell loves mall rats. He's, <laughs> he's seen a lot of mall rats on on cable. Yeah, and, like, uh, yeah. Well, it's interesting because you know he's been floating around in space ever since Krypton blew up and. Um, they they just got beamed the uh, as- the view askew universe. So the askew universe, th- the askew universe. He's saying snoochy boochies. That's still funny to him. <laughs> um, yeah, is the thing's dong made of rock? It, yeah, all that stuff. He's real occup- uh, real fascination with superhero sex organs. <laughs> 
Tell him, Steve Dave. Yeah. Uh, last little bit of news we should just say, uh, rest in peace, Steve Ditko. Although he is more known for being the co-creator of Spider-Man, there are a ton of DC characters that have his fingerprints all over them. Uh, characters like The Question, The Creeper, etc. Um, oh. So thank you, Steve Ditko. Uh, even if you're uh, a super Ayn Rand devotee. <laughs> oh, you didn't have to say that. <laughs> I, I... Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. So. Um, that's fine. Yes, Sp- Spider-Man's my boy. And uh, I'll, I'll be eternally grateful for that. So, If you're listening to this the day this episode comes out at 1 p.m. Eastern today, our Art of the Week for the week will be all Ditko tribute pieces. So Nice. Check that out. Um, shall we get to the books? Let's do this. Yeah, let's get to Batman's Wedding with Catwoman that goes off, of course, without a hitch. Um. Batman number 50. Oh, Hitch is in here. Oh, yes, it is. He's one of the last pages. Uh, Batman number 50, written by Tom King, mainly illustrated by Michael Janine, but with um, splash page interludes by, oh, everybody? Yeah, no, Brian Hitch is not in here. I lied. Will Smith is, though. Yes, yep. Wikiwile? Wikiwile? Getting jiggy with it. Um... So I have a lot of thoughts on this book, but I have a feeling that Zach is going to have different. Zach warned us at some at some coming hot takes. So, Zach, you want to start this off? I didn't hate this. Vince, I didn't hate this. Um, with, with one very large, very important asterisk, I didn't hate this. (laughs) I wonder if our asterisk is the same because I, I have the same feeling. Like I would say that I really like 90% of this comic. I won't go that far. No. Well, let me let me say my my asterisk and then and we'll go say your ass. Yeah. Yes. So, um, I think if you took the story that was the Janine illustrated story, which is a story of their wedding nights, and you released that, then this is one of the better Tom King Bat issues that was released as part of this run. By throwing in all these faux pinups as bits of the story it totally didn't work for me Ooh, i I agree i agree with that i really dislike every bit of that i don't think that those letters that are excerpted there add anything to the story i think that the the vacillation in art and the clear instance that none of these artists had any idea what the person before or after them were doing. So they were essentially creating splash pages in a vacuum. I think it reads horribly and disjointedly and takes you totally out of the story. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, that, that is my big, big issue with this, with this comic. I'm, I'm with you 100% there. In fact, I almost think like, I would have left the splash pages in, like the pinups in, but just remove the dialogue. 
I mean, if if you did the 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 pinups as like back matter, or did them, I don't know. They break up the story so much. I don't think you could leave them in the way they are right now and not have the book still have the. Same I mean, problems. I think I think like we there are like big anniversary issues that do that sort of thing where they just have. But they you do know... them between stories usually. Well, uh, I guess so, but I mean, like it's no different than an ad. I guess ads, not. You, I mean, like comics are already broken up by ads, so I guess I don't really think about it that much. Like if it's just. And I also hate the last page. What was the last page? The Bane is behind it all. Is that the very last page? I couldn't or, remember. Or, or whatever that. Whatever that. Or was. you just hate. You just hate that. I that. hate that reveal. I don't know if that's the last page or not, but yeah. Why it do is, you hate it that reveal? The last story page, yeah. Because I kind of, I kind of, as much as I hated the Bane storyline, I kind of liked that. Although I'm super confused about why Gotham Girl is in there. I yeah. unless okay. it's like a whole conspiracy, like long time thing. It that's is. what. It, that's that's what it is. All of this, like even like the War of Jokes and Riddles, appears to be. Oh. Batman and the Joker. I mean, I mean, oh, yeah, because like, the... why would Joker and the Riddler be there together? Exactly. Uh huh. Yeah. So we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Vince, what did you think about the splash pages? The I actually, I actually didn't mind. My only qualm with the splash pages is that I thought some of them looked kind of bad. Like, like, like Frank Miller's one it looks like it was done like... in a moving car. <laughs> oh, like... I kind of like the Frank Miller one. I mean, it was very Frank Miller, who I'm not a huge fan of artistically to begin with. I don't think it was any worse than his recent output of the last, like, 20 years. Um, but, like, the Ty Templeton one, I didn't really yeah. like all that much. And the Art Adams one was very weird. Catwoman's hand in that looks so fucked up. That I couldn't, my eyes immediately went to it, and I couldn't. And Ew. she's just, she's just making a weird like face. I don't know. Ew. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait. The, uh, uh, never mind. I was looking at the Neil Adams one, which is also has a weird Catwoman. Face oh wait, was that was that, that, that the Neil one? Adams? I didn't Maybe. Neil Adams. There right. is an Art Adams though one too, isn't there? Did I make that up? I thought that was Art Adams. Yeah. No, I think that's Neil Adams. Oh, really? Yeah, Art Adams has a much better art style than that. Uh, art Art Adams is usually like more cartoony looking. Okay, this doesn't look like Neil Adams to me either, though. That's weird. This is actually better than recent Neil Adams stuff. I did think Nothing it was. I did think better than recent Neil Adams stuff. <laughs> I did think it was weird. Like, why does Art Adams have a thing in this? <laughs> no, it's Neil Adams. I'm an idiot. Um, yeah. Anyway, anyway, what I was the, saying. The Tim Sale into the uh, the Pope page. Yeah, that's really good, and that's actually one of the few times in the whole issue where the two pinup pages actually like go with each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, I like the Clunin one. I like the Garcia Lopez one, and I didn't mind them as part of. The, I didn't mind them as story interjections, and I didn't mind the letters either. There's because so I, much dialogue. Well, yes, yeah, but they're they're yes, you're right. 
It kind of right. defeats the purpose of a pinup a little bit. To me, it's the worst of both worlds. I don't know. I thought it was fine. I think in... I don't know. It just didn't feel that way to me. And and on paper, that's something that's... Not, like, if you would have told me that this issue has a bunch of pinups in it and Tom King's words are all over them, <laughs> I would have said, oh, God, that sounds awful. But when I was reading it, I actually kind of liked the effect in this case. I I don't know. I could it, be wrong, I guess. It, it also, to me, felt like... It felt like the, the Janine stuff was like the planned issue, and then DC was like, we got to make it double-sized. How do we do it? Yeah. Uh, let's bring in a story element that has nothing to do with the main story and every artist we can find to do a pinup. And okay, oh, but sold. I, yeah, but I don't care that it doesn't have anything. I mean, it's a celebration of Bat and Cat throughout the years, right? But it's not, but it is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm a grump about this issue. I, I, That, to me... That ruined anything, like, momentum-wise about the story. Mm, I don't know. Anyway. Oh, Art Adams did the variant cover. I knew that there was an Art Adams okay. thing in here. Maybe that's, that's what, what it was. Maybe that's what confused me. And also, just, I think, I'm sorry, but I think Neil Adams' recent output has been really bad. And even though I say that this page looks weird to me, it looks better than the average recent Neil Adams stuff to me. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm splitting hairs here. Um, But, anyway. That was not my asterisk, because I actually kind of enjoyed that part. I enjoyed the way that it played with our expectations and ended up twisting them in the end. The part that I don't like about this issue, and I I think it's fairly major, is that I... So you know me. I'm a big fan of... Um... The, pretty much the only thing I've liked about Tom King's Batman run is the Selina and Bruce stuff. Um, I, I think he's done a pretty good job with that, and I'm I'm rooting for them to get together, but not like the crazy shippers that are canceling all their comics because of what actually happened in this issue. Especially because um, King has said like this isn't the end of their love story. Right, right. But even if it were, like I'm not going to burn my collection because of that, you know. That's insane. I can't believe the reaction that I saw to this issue. I, are you, I cannot believe you, it. Are you, can you really not believe it, though? I Honestly, some of the stuff that I saw, even I know what you're saying, Zach, but some of the things that I saw, I could not believe. Even knowing how idiotic our uh, fan base can be. You know, not our fan base, but DC. You know. Uh, yeah, I, some of the stuff I just could not believe, like death threats to creators. And I went to my lo- local comic shop and I canceled every comic I subscribed I to because of guy. because of Batman Fifty. You know, because of w- one issue of a comic that you didn't like how it turned out, you can't. I don't. First of all, I don't really believe he did that. But to even because that's like you know you know how this habit works. Like we say we're gonna drop books and stuff, but we buy shit we don't like, and or I do anyway, and. That's why comics are compared to cigarettes, you know? And not only that, like, just taken at a pure storytelling vehicle, I think the reason that Catwoman gives for not marrying Bruce sort of makes sense. You may not like it, but it's not like she's decided, like, 
wait a minute, I don't believe in monogamy. Womp womp. Like, at, <laughs> at least there's a fairly well thought out reason for that. Again, you can dislike it, but dislike it enough to cancel all comics? I don't know about that. Yeah. That Bruce is an incel now. <laughs> <laughs> so my my actual asterisk is actually that I don't buy Selena's reason for not staying with Bruce. And I think that that's a fairly big deal. It doesn't it doesn't spoil what was otherwise a really fun to read and celebratory issue that had a twist ending that I thought like I thought them not actually having a wedding and ending up apart was probably where this was going. But and I thought it was a strong story choice, but I don't buy that Selena's been um, manipulated into realizing that if Batman's happy, he can't be Batman. Like, all of that stuff rings really false to me. And what I think, this is going to sound like it's me saying how the book should be written, you know, but, but I think a more interesting take on it for me would be somehow th- them figuring out, look, we don't work as a couple unless we're the couple having rendezvous on the rooftops, you know? We... To you, me, you need to make a nice tired wired meme about that. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll think about that. Um, but but the 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 thing that finally breaks the bat, you know, if if that's what Bane has accomplished here, being this uh, being being getting his fiance to leave him uh, on the night of their wedding because she realizes that he can't be Batman anymore if they get married is, is a little far-fetched for me. Um, it's, it's a bit of a leap. I bought it just because I felt like they did a good job. I feel like King did a good job of positioning Holly as like the, the like inceptor there, you know, like it's not something that she came about on her own. Like the no, idea you, was planted. And... You're right. You're right. That's and why I, I built. I bought it as well. Sure. You guys are right about that, but I also think like I I still think she sides with Bruce over that issue. You know what I mean? I still and I think... think she will eventually. Oh yes, yeah. That was gonna. My next point was gonna be like we we all know that he's apparently doing a hundred issues of this thing, and he, whether he we like whether we like it or not. Love story. Yeah. yeah. Right. So obviously we know where this is going and whether they get married or they just stay together in the way that I suggested just now where they're, they're together, but they're, they're not, they're not traditionally, they don't have a traditional marriage. They, they do their rooftop thing, you know, however it shakes out, obviously they're returning to this. So again, there's no reason to burn all your shit over it, but, but it also, it also kind of makes that, Knowing that that's coming, it also kind of makes this particular avenue for figuring out how to get them to break up for a little while kind of ring false to me. I I, I, I understand what he's going for. It just didn't work for me. So um, I, I just finished I just finished Twin Peaks. So Bruce is Bruce is Ed, Selena is Norma, and the Joker is Nadine. Oh man, oh man, that's uh, that's deep. This time, Martian Manhunter is the log lady. <laughs> um, okay, so I just noticed something, and I feel really, really dumb that I just noticed this. Okay. Um, Tom King wrote this issue. 
That's Thomas Wayne in there. Yeah, yep. Didn't we talk about that already? No. When did we talk about that? I thought we texted about it. I don't think we did. If we did, I completely missed it. That is Thomas Wayne, which makes the Flashpoint stuff. Remember when he was like, stop being Batman? Yes. Stop. (laughs) But that doesn't make any sense then. No, it does, because this is like, that was pushing... Essentially, okay, so let's talk about this last page. So, the, the... What I took from this last page was that Bane had been trying to break Batman from all these different angles. And so, you know, Thomas Wayne was part of it. Joker and the Riddler were part of it. Gotham Girl's part of it, right? And these are, like, all different things that contribute to it. So if you, if Thomas Wayne plants the seed in Bruce that he shouldn't be Batman, that helps to break Bruce down mm-hmm. a bit. You know, so that's that's how I see it playing out. Okay, yep. and Skeets but like, is there? You see the little Skeets? I do see that. Yeah. yeah. How? Okay. How did a like? How would Thomas Wayne have even gotten involved in that? Because he was in another universe. Well, that that's the part we don't know yet. But Flash obviously, there's going to be. So, if if he wanted Bruce to, unless he was just like completely lying and he he didn't not want Bruce to be Batman. If he had wanted Bruce to not be Batman, then he would encourage him being with Selina. I feel like I feel like this this idea that was implanted would be contradictory to his personal wait wait, wait agenda. Wait. I don't think this whole thing is necessarily a perfectly organized clockwork that was all leading to one one thing doing it. I, I think, agree. Yeah. I think like the Thomas Wayne stuff was one thing that maybe Bane tried and said, okay, that's not quite working. We got to do some other angle, you know? Okay. Okay. You know but, what I but mean? Then it also just like, it just sucks. I'm sorry. It, it doesn't sucks. make any sense why Thomas Wayne would be involved in this at all. It doesn't make sense for anything other than comic book shock factor, which worked for me. <laughs> We, wow, we we liked this issue kind of and disliked parts of it for completely different reasons. Yeah. I'm amazed. See, when I saw that character, I got really excited initially because I thought it was the um like one of the three Batman of the Apocalypse. Oh yeah, because that would make more sense than Tom yeah. Swain. <laughs> yeah, but, and I, it was just now like I saw I noticed the red circle behind the bat and I was like, oh yeah. I will say one thing in the defense of this page. The Riddler's buttoning the shirt again. <laughs> and he's not so just roided out either. Yeah. But does he have the question mark carved into his chest still? Oh. Or did he get a skin graft? And uh, Carl Rove is the ventriloquist. <laughs> <laughs> and Hugo Strange. Did we... Did we see Hugo Strange in Tom King's run yet? Am I forgetting? Yeah, something? he was in the first arc. He and was. Then he led yes. into he the, was. the side of the Monster Men crossover. That's right. Yep. Yep. Oh man, it's funny because um, somebody on Twitter who doesn't even really like Tom King's run all that much said, uh, "Batman number fifty, whether." Excuse me, I got the hiccups. Um, Batman number 50, whether you liked Tom King's run so far or not, will make you want to go back and read issues 1 through 49. 
And I was like, no, <laughs> look, look, I like this, but come on. I, d- I don't doubt that there would be merit to doing that. I bet there would be, I bet there would be things you would find, but come on, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Lee Weeks' page was really nice. Sure. Yeah. Okay, shut up, guys. And he, he isn't he on an arc coming up soon? He is, yes. I think I think he might be drawing the very next issue. Yeah, I think you're right. The the Mr. Freeze arc, I think. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. I also loved like like I said, I didn't love the actual machinations that got them to break up in the end, but I loved the visual of Selena taking off the veil and jumping off the roof, and then Bruce leaping off the roof. Mm-hmm. I love that. That was did you so... notice the the like page duality across the whole issue? Yes. Yep. Yep. Including that page where they met in the middle. That page was incredible looking. Again, the... that's the main story. All of that stuff, I think, was above average. Tom King Batman. Yes. Yep. I agree. We agree on that. I've I, I don't know if I've ever seen a page like that. Has there ever been a page with like that kind of perspective? And I don't know. I that's I red. That's red from the two outsides in. I I don't know. Probably, don't know. but I've never seen anything like that. Um. But anyway. I just think, like, the story itself is such a classic, like, soap opera-y, mad, mad Men almost, you know? Like, them leaping off the roof at the end. It could end right there, you know? Their their relationship shit could end there. But it won't, but it's just... To me, that's the best of, like, superhero melodrama, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite type of superhero storytelling, but... But that is the best version of that thing, I think. The mm-hmm. the way this all played out. Um Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. We liked it. We kinda liked it. We kinda liked it. I think I liked it. I think I, I said I, I said I didn't it. hate it. I think I like it. If it wasn't for the last page reveal and it wasn't for the splash pages, then I would kind of like it. As it stands, (laughs) I don't hate it. (laughs) Pulp pirate or pulp? Uh, Pirate. I do think it's interesting that they, um, they chose to make this a celebration of Batman and Catwoman's relationship at issue 50 in the issue that they're not actually going to get married in. <laughs> and that, you know what I mean? Like, so they can do what, it all what, again in 50 issues. What's that? So they can do it all again in 50 issues. Well, that was going to be my thing. Like, so are they going to do the same thing in a hundred issues if they get married? Yes. Because are they going to do splash pages and things like that again? Because then it feels like, like I kind of like the fake out because it makes people think this momentous thing is happening. And then the rug gets pulled out from under them. But at the same time, like in fifty issues again, it's not going to have the same effect or impact. So, oh, Batman one hundred is going to be like a fold out poster that oh. you. Man, it's going to be 
keeping it 100 for it's sure. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a poster inside of a trade paperback. You're going to you're going to open up the book and it's going to be a double uh, it's going to be one of those um fold out things you have to like fold it out. It's for it's like a four page spread and it's just going to be their faces saying bat and cat. Bat, cat it's bat, it's going to be like cat. a cootie catcher that you have to like unfold <laughs> and like it's a choose your own adventure. Yep. It is. And then and then you do the you open it, close it, open it, close it, and then you open the flap and you see if they get married. Does Batman marry his true love? Ask again later. That, we are that, so... will, that will certainly be better than what we'll actually get. <laughs> yeah. Prove us wrong, yep. Tom King. Prove us wrong. Oh my goodness. I just I don't know how I came across this. Um I don't know if this is gonna be like a, a trade paperback thing, um, or if it's like a digital I I'm sure it is a paperback there's going to be a batman catwoman the wedding album collection that only has batman 44 and 50 in it all right oh boy rock and roll are they going to rename it or what (laughs) i don't know interesting they should just reprint the john lennon yoko ono wedding album album which is just her screeching over tape loops. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, go from there. And we, we should get to see Bruce's dick, too, then. Well, that's uh, two virgins. Get your, I know it is. Get your I know it is. ephemera correct. I know that. I made a joke about it like a week ago to you. That is true. You did. <laughs> you said you wish you were hung like John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now it's Beast Boy. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I still have a Catwoman number one, written and illustrated by Joel Jones. This is the good one. This is the good one. This is yeah. This is good. This is objectively good. This um... this has a little bit of what everybody likes about Catwoman in it. I think, including the like ma- ma- including mafia st- mafia stuff. Yeah. I think this is my favorite issue of the week. It's damn... I haven't thought about it, but it's damn... Yeah, I haven't thought about it either, but it's very good. Also, Selena is definitely Megan. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Yeah, you're right. Like, look at that that panel of her walking out onto the street, checking, like, her watch, or... And then down at the bottom, like, if she had a gap in her teeth, mm, that's Megan. So Roger Damn. and Megan are meant to be together. Oh, Roger and Megan's mother! <gasps> oh! Mustachioed Roger. Ferrejaka, <laughs> Ferrejaka. Alright. Um, remember, when, remember when Sally walks in on uh, Roger getting the blowy? Yeah. <laughs> oh... That's that's maybe my favorite Mad Men episode. Really, it's a really good episode. Yeah, mine's a, it's a cliche, but mine's the suitcase. Of course, it is. You're basic. Yeah, um, just basic kidding. bitch. Yeah, uh, no, that's all right. My, oh, I don't know what my favorite is. Um, man, Joel Jones, you guys. Yeah, yeah. I um, I was a huge fan of the Genevieve Valentine. Catwoman Mafia stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And so that aspect of this book really intrigued me. I think it's a fun way to make Selena be the protagonist of a book without totally changing her character. Like having the imposter Catwomans who are really doing bad stuff allows her to be the hero of the book without being a traditional hero, which I think is really good for the character. Um, yeah, I'm big fan of this direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, it's really fun how, um, especially towards the end of the book, they play with the different eras of Catwoman costumes. Like, mm-hmm. Selena's is very... Um, very Tim Burton esque, and then yeah. yeah, yeah, and the the imposter is very very much in line with like the um, Darwin Cook era with those like big goggles. Mm-hmm. Yep. And to to double up on the Batman Returns reference, the her living with these cats and the the them watching her in the shadows as she like gets back into her Catwoman outfit is very. That was very Tim Burton to me. Mm-hmm. And then when I, is I Max love Shrek, aka uh, Christopher Walken, going to show up. <laughs> Wait till oh. you see issue two. Um, that's my walk-in award winner. No, it's it's no Jay Moore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of the perspective stuff that man, Joel Jones is just a pro. You know, she's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. How many issues before we get a fill-in on art? Oh, I have the fourth issue, maybe. I say fifth. Fifth. All right, one of our classic DC three bets. I think we'll get a, well, however long this arc is. You gotta see. You gotta say a number, Zach. We gotta... I don't know how long the arc is. That's what makes it a, a dangerous game here. <laughs> I, I'll... <laughs> All I'm saying is I think that she will take a break after the conclusion of the first arc. Which which is how long? I don't know. You have to guess. I can check Solicis really quick and see if it's still going in September. We'll wait. Talk talk while I'm doing this. So, um... I I also think that... uh, Laura Allred is one of the more underrated colorists in comics. Oh, man. She's great. Her work here is so great. There is such a defined color palette. And what I love about it is that occasionally that palette is broken. And when it's broken, it does so with real authority. The page I'm thinking of specifically, it's page uh, 10 in our PDF. It's the Selena getting on the subway car scene which is like all purple essentially except for a couple little accents on the train are red and blue. Mm-hmm. And they stand out so much and it really creates the illusion of motion uh in the scene. And it's it's just it's so so well done. Yeah. Yes, good point. <clears throat> I don't know. What did you guys who one of you said 4 and one said 5? I said 5. I said 4. I, I would have said five too, but I'll go. I'll say six just to be different. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so I've seen a lot of like ugly characters in comics, or or like disfigured or whatever. We'll but this character, what's that? So we'll get to that later in the in the week. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but this this like villain ass that she's come up with is something else. <laughs> Agreed. She's uh she's the she's the she's the monster from Gangi. Basically. <laughs> she's Gangi four facelift. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, this is really good. Yeah, I I thoroughly enjoy this and uh I hope that this book continues running at least through Batman 100. Because that would mean that there's like two solid years of this book out there mm. for us. That would be really good. It, and you know, honestly, if you think about it, um, if it took 100 issues of a Tom King Batman series to get this Catwoman book, it all will have been worth it. <laughs> 25 issues of Joel Jones Catwoman. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. Next up is Deathstroke number 33, written by Priest, illustrated by Ed Bennis. Um, I just want to point out, before we go any further, the variant cover by Francesco Mattina, where you get... um, Damien with the half bat mask, half sort of Deathstroke mask. Mm-hmm. I really like that imagery. I, I don't, I don't love the style of the cover necessarily, but I like that imagery a lot. It's a clever, it's a clever uh, cover. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I agree with you on the style too. I think I think usually the that style ends up being. I'm not a big fan of like painted comics. Mm-hmm. Same. But I think as a cover concept, I think that's really well done. Yeah. Good call. Thank you. So what do you guys think I, of this issue? It's good. Zach, you're, you're supposed to be the positive one. You said you were going to wow us with your positivity. I didn't love this issue very much. Why? Um, mostly because I haven't cared for this arc very much. Um, partially because I don't care for the Ed Bennis art very much. Well, that's um, yeah, I agree with that's that. That's fair. Big part of it is artistic. Like I, I just, I, I just didn't enjoy the art very much. Um, and and I, I generally really do enjoy. Um, like Christopher Priest, like Twisty Turny, um, you know, mm-hmm. games of of one-upmanship, and you know, being like one character being a few steps ahead of each other. But the the bits with Damien and Deathstroke got a little tiresome for me. Oh, I absolutely love that. I, I, I'm with Vince on this one. I feel like Damien would totally react the way he does here. So if he, oh yeah. 
I don't think it's unbelievable. Like I think it's I think it it rings true. I just you just don't like it. I just didn't care for it. Um, See, I think it I think it is over the top. I don't think you're wrong about that. But um, but I think it I. I, I like that in this comic. I like when it's over the top. I like when you think I like when you think the twist is one thing and it's ridiculous and then he came up with another twist that's even more ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Priest has done that several times over the course of Deathstroke and and I love it because he's built this book to operate that way, you know. It's yeah. not coming out of left field even if it right. even if in any other book it would. Yeah, and I mean, I'm kind of just waiting for the payoff of this arc, whatever it is, and I'm I, I have a feeling by the time we hit the last issue and Priest does his prestige moment and it all comes together in this nice little package, I will maybe look back on this issue a little more fondly. Um, but like I said, I haven't cared for this arc. It feels like it's been going on for a very long time and we still have two issues left. Um, yeah. Oh, the prestige. Well, p- part of the the problem with that, Zach, is that the book the, the book was shipping twice monthly for a long time, mm-hmm. and then it switched over to the Defiance arc, which a lot happened in that arc. Yeah, this is sort of the slowest paced arc we've gotten once the book has gone monthly, and so right. it seems I think even slower than probably it is just because of what came before it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like I loved all of, all of the. Um the defined stuff. Yeah. And this feel felt like a step back, you know, even when the arc was announced. Yeah. In my opinion. So do we think this, if this book will get to issue 50? Yeah. Yep. I think so. Yeah. I would be really surprised. Under if it didn't. Yeah. Yes. I really hope so. Yeah. I was a little worried. Marvel was going to like poach him, nab, nab yeah. him up again, but that didn't seem to have happened, so. Agreed. All right, let's move on to Green Arrow number 42. I believe this is the second and last part of this uh, fill-in arc. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, illustrate, I mean, written by uh, Marigreed Scott, illustrated by Matthew Clark. Um, this is a parasite story. I think for what this is, this was fun. Yeah, this, for me, this stopped short. This stopped, like, just short of being a really great kind of uh, one-off, well, I guess two-off arc, two-issue arc of Green Arrow, like a filler thing. Mm-hmm. And the only reason, the only way it fell short, I thought, was in the end when, when Ollie's doing like the big wrap up and talking about how we don't, uh, we don't really try to rehabilitate our prisoners. You know, mm-hmm. I felt like there was one extra step that that could have gone, you okay. know? Yes. And, and instead it really did feel like the mealy mouth centrist take on it. where like, well, they're, we're trying our best. Well, we're it's not best, good enough. That's the best we can do. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And he's like, "Well, it's not. It's not good enough." And, but there's no answer. And of course, there are no easy answers. But like, these are superheroes, you know. 
he doesn't even offer anything. <laughs> he's right. just like, he's just like, got to do better, man. <laughs> you know. Well, in a in a in a world of metahumans, like I feel like they should have some answers sometimes, and and I feel like a lot of times when social issues get brought up or what whatever, they just they 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 don't take they they stop one step short from as addressing it the way that they probably could, you know. Sure. Zach? Uh yeah, I I thought this was fine. I'm realizing now that my what I took as me being positive was just me giving a lot of goodwill to two books that I never care about very much. <laughs> um <laughs> like that clouded my I basically patted myself on the back prematurely, I think. Okay. Um, this issue was I'm fine. what was supposed to be a dry run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, now we got a mess on our hands. <laughs> oh. All right. Seaman. This yeah. week had one of those, uh, you know, like anytime there's a week where we have Green Arrow and Green Lanterns. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do. They got to get those books apart because I, I don't like having two green books next to one another. I really don't either. I don't know why. It's it's arbitrary. I, was, I, I don't care at all about that. I don't know why. No, you I just care. I look at it and I go, ah. I really don't like it either. I'm with Vince. So, yeah. but do you have a good reason why? Because I don't. No, I don't either. It just bothers yeah. me. It does. Yeah, I go. Oh man, the green book. Two green books. Come on. Come on. Get one of those on another week. Get it. Get it out of here. Let's get to Green Lanterns number fifty. <laughs> Brian's oh. like, "Fuck you guys!" <laughs> no, I'm not, I don't care. Um, the alphabet all over again. <laughs> uh, the alphabet. Um, oh, so this is uh, the first part of Dan Jurgens' Green Lanterns opus, magnum opus, the biggest story ever written. Evil's Might, written by Dan Jurgens, illustrated by Mike Perkins. Um, Zach, I'm going to guess this is the other book you kind of liked. No. Good. I mean, <laughs> this was, this, this, this was, yeah, this wasn't it. Uh, so, Mike Perkins draws everybody like they were in a car accident and had their faces reconstructed. Nobody <laughs> looks like themselves whatsoever. Here, I'm doing a thing we're not supposed to do, but... <laughs> okay. Are you, oh, you're sending old faces. Yeah. Well, folks, if you want to um, be interactive with the DC3 cast, basically turn to any page in this comic and you'll find an old face. N- uh, face is our, is our branded term. Nut, nut face, sorry. God damn it. Apologies to uh, Mike Judge. Yeah. Shit. We got to pay him money now, I think. I think so. I think that's how this works. Yeah. Um, guys, I didn't hate this. I don't like the art, and I've never been a Perkins fan. I think this is the worst Perkins we've gotten in a long time. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's the same. Same one. Send that one again. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it looks like it looks like everybody was in a car accident. Everybody looks like Mark Hamill in in uh, Empire Strikes Back. Oh. Oh. <laughs> He's still handsome in that movie. Yeah, but he, he, something looks off about him. Yeah, yep, you're right. Um, everyone looks like uh, whatever whatever Kilowog is. <laughs> 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 Jesus. All right, all right. You're gonna piss somebody off, Zach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is for you. Don't don't laugh. Don't just act like nothing's happening. All right, all right, okay. 
Um, I didn't, I, you know, it probably is more worthwhile for our listeners to just hear hear us laugh at individual screen grabs from yeah. this than actually talk about it. Um, oh, oh, crap! Hold on, last one, last one. Okay. <laughs> How you doing? Oh God, we just lost <laughs> like several subscribers. You said last one, you liar. That wasn't no, mine. That, that other was one. Vince's. That oh, other okay, one sorry. was me. The Kyle one was me. Oh, okay. That the, is the, that the, the Sylvester Stallone <laughs> Kyle Rayner one. Yep, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone Kyle Rayner. This Jessica one. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was a cut scene from a Sega CD game. Uh, it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, what it looks like is how can I word this? It looks like Greg Land drew it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> if, if if any listener can go through and pick out the five images that I took screen grabs of and send them to me on Twitter, I will do something. Um, you have to pick the exact five images that I pick. I, let's say this: one of them is Jessica. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is Kilowog. One of them is Baz. One of them is Kyle. One of them is Guy. Yeah, we and, got a nice, nice diversity of character there. And are we counting Vince's uh, no, Sylvester no, no, Stallone? No. Okay. No, no, that gives it away too much. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's a good good contest. That's interactive, right? That is. Yeah, uh, that's interactive. I like this is something everyone can enjoy. I like how the guardian that you see at the beginning of the issue mm-hmm. is uh Dandadio as a guardian. <laughs> Look at him. It's Dandadio. Okay, here's 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 Simon. But this is clearly just Drill's profile picture from Twitter, <laughs> drawn as Simon Vaz. <laughs> Look at that! <laughs> for for readers, that's on page uh, let's see, fourteen of our PDF. So it's probably thirteen or twelve. Yeah, yeah. I will also say the worst page in this book is the uh, the first page. Is it the first page in the club with Jessica? Uh-huh. It's the second page where Kyle and John walk in because if they, I'm sorry, we're sorry, 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 Simon and Kyle walk in and if they didn't put Lantern, Simon, Baz and Kyle Rayner on the page, I would have no idea who those people are. Yeah. yeah. I, I would, they look, they, they look like the, the guy on the left looks like, Oh, what's his name? He was on designing women. Um, uh, yeah. The um, black guy from designing women. I can't think of his name. Yes. Shit. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyle kind of looks like Joey from Friends a little <laughs> yeah, bit. How you doing? They do look like they're from like California Dreams or something like that. Yeah. Like, okay, hold on, I'll figure out who this guy was on Designing Women. Talk amongst um, yourselves. This is important. Did you, did you guys catch the Action Comics deep cut in here? With uh, isn't this the guy from that? Um... It's not. Are you sure? Dan, Dan, Dan Jurgen, Slayer of Gods. He's not. No, it's not. Dan Jurgens had to answer that question on Twitter, so you can see how good he was at, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I saw him, somebody asked him that. Is that Lacall from from uh, Action Comics? He said, no, it's Eon, E-O-N. 
a character that I created like two decades ago. But he like, calls him Lacal in here. He says Lacal, Slayer of Gods. Wait, seriously? Yeah. I swear to God, I saw. Oh, maybe we're talking about two different. Hold on. Where are what you page talking are you about? On? Like the main villain. I'm, That's I'm talking... yes. No, sorry. You're right. You're right. Somebody did ask him on Twitter whether Meshach that Meshach Taylor. Hilton. Meshach Taylor was from the Zenon There you go. Yep. Sorry. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, somebody did ask Dan Jurgens about Eon, but you're right. The character earlier who you see like land and like all beat up. Mm-hmm. That's that is you're right. Yep. Yep. Sorry, I was uh, because I definitely saw Dan Jurgens answer that question on Twitter. I read all of Dan Jurgens' tweets. This is a really really point. funny uh, nod to the 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 DC Wiki. Um, right now, if you go to the DC Wiki page for Lacal, it is updated to reflect the events of Green Lanterns 50. Um, but because he says something about the Ravagers in that issue, there is a, a link. It says Lacal was brutally beaten by the Ravagers, and it links to the new 52 Scott Lavelle <laughs> nice. team. I don't think that's what they meant, right? <laughs> but that is a Mobius strip if I've ever seen one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I didn't I I didn't like the art at all in this, but I didn't really hate the story. Um, I think it was fine. I I think it was. I like a Green Lantern story that does the thing where they're all kind of like hanging out, and then all of a sudden they need to do training or they need to group up and go somewhere. I like to see them like at a club or something. I guess Tra- I'm very training at the club. Training in the club. Bum, bum, Huge B in the club. Bum bum. What's that? It's in the club by Fifty Cent. Oh yes, you're right. Yep. Come give yep. me a hug. Um, that's that's what he says. Yeah, I uh, this issue bothered me w- w- by no fault of its own due to the uh, comics internet. So I was a little bit late reading this week's books. I did not read these this week's books until over the weekend, but I saw on uh, Thursday or Friday there was, I believe, it was a. CBR article, it might have been Newsarama, one of the dumb sites, um, that basically said, like, Green Lanterns kills blank and nothing will be the same again. And so I'm oh, like, man. I'm like, oh, did Are you bad? serious? Yeah. I, let me see if I'm not going to be able to find it. I can try. Um, but I, maybe I'm wording it incorrectly, but it was something about, like, how big of a deal it was. And so I'm expecting, like, Baz or Kilowog. Or Kyle, or even Guy. Like, there's enough characters that could be, that could have been killed in this book that would have made a major impact in the DC universe. A random guardian is not that person. Well, we certainly won't ever see that guardian again, though. Sure. Which, it which guardian even, even was that? Isn't that the it one was that's Dan... called the Dan Didio one? Yeah. yeah, it was Dan Didio. Oh, it was Dan Didio? Okay. I'm dead. No, R.I.P. Yeah, definitely. I, um... Yeah. Yep. Um... Clickbait is bad, basically, is... Yes. I'm trying to find this. Uh, talk amongst yourselves for a minute about this comic. Um, uh, Zach, did you know that um, they had to stop filming Mr. Belvedere for several <laughs> <laughs> s- 
several days because uh, Mr. Belvedere sat on his own balls. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yes, sorry, there sorry. was a. There was... So here's the headline: Spoiler dies in Green Lantern's number fifty as the core goes completely haywire. Ah, yep, for sure. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That wasn't worth did the you, payoff. Did you, I'm sorry. Did, did you guys see the seventeen Ant Man and the Wasp cameos? No. <laughs> did you know that <laughs> Scott Lang's wife, who is a regular character and was in the original Ant Man movie, is a cami- is cal- <laughs> counted as a cameo now? Did Ant Man nearly get a nineteen nineties extreme makeover? <laughs> I, I've said this before. The worst CBR articles now are the seven reasons Ant-Man and the Wasp is a great movie, and six, it's terrible. The <laughs> yep. articles that totally undo itself in the title. Yep. All right. This has been comics. This has been criticism of comics criticism. Our new spinoff show, where we just look at other sites and criticize them. Um, because we're super petty. Yarp. Uh, let's talk about Harley Quinn number 45, written by Sam Humphreys. This is not the first issue, according to the uh, the cover dress. Illustrated by, um, uh, what's this guy's first name? John Timms. Couldn't John, be his yeah. first name. Um, Zach and I read this. Vince skimmed it. Zach, what did you think? This was the book that I liked. I didn't dislike it. Like, this is maybe the best Sam Humphreys book that I've read in maybe ever. This is definitely the best DC Sam Humphreys book. Yeah. And um, it's the the most enjoyable time I've had reading a Harley Quinn book in a really long time. And it had good fourth world stuff. Um, I, I liked this a, a good deal. I don't disagree with any of that, you know, um, aside from the, the, the continuity whore inside of me that I'm trying to always break free of that, like, isn't Granny Goodness dead at the moment because of Mr. Miracle, like, it, and I, I hate that I care about that stuff, so I'm trying to ignore that, but, like, aside from that, I thought this was a really fun, relatively self-contained, relatively good jumping on point for the book, there's really not much you need to know about what happened before. And there was that fun little, um, our little Harley interlude in there. That was fun. Yeah. I really, yeah, that would, that looks great. I really enjoyed that. Uh, this is, this is about as good as I could hope a Harley Quinn comic could be in 2018. Well, yeah. nice. I, I only skimmed it and I liked I liked a lot of the art that I see, but I'm a, I, I think John Timms is pretty good, and it's encouraging to know that there's a good Sam Humphreys book again, and that that Harley maybe finally has a good book again. I, yeah, I think I'll go back and read this. You should. It's it's worth it. I mean, it's not gonna it's not gonna you know reinvent the wheel by any means, mm-hmm. but it's certainly a fun enough Harley book that. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad this is the Harley book that we have right now. 
Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about Justice League number three, written by Scott Snyder, illustrated by Jorge Jimenez. We get the ultraviolet lantern stuff, um, and uh, Vince, since you didn't get to talk much about Harley Quinn, talk about this issue. Uh, sure. Justice League, you said? Yeah. What are we on? <laughs> Justice League, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I spaced out there for a second. I love this. I love, love, love this. From the opening page that shows a young Sinestro like doing his Indiana Jones thing um, to even the part with the freaking Joker towards the end. Snyder continues to use these villains and build them up in really interesting ways and not like not particularly dark and gruesome ways. I'm really fascinated with what he's cooking with the villains because it's not what I would have expected. At least not, at least not so far. Um, I, parts of this just reminded me of like Evangelion or something, some anime, like there's a part where Merchant Manhunter is, uh, uh, looking into the source wall and he like touches a, a humanoid looking boy on the other side and I just thought like what the hell is this this is all you know I don't really know what's going on exactly but it's awesome um, yeah this is just balls to the wall 20 pages of amazing fun every time we get this issue uh, this comic so I love it Zach, what do you think? I concur. This is, um, yeah, this is really, really good. This is some good, um, you know, world building mythology stuff. Uh, I never thought that I would want more weird spectrum stuff after after the Johns run, but this is well done. Like Ben said, Sinestro is great, and this. Um, the stuff with uh, Clark and and John in the in the totality zone or whatever that yeah that's all really good, um, yeah all of this is this is just I I say it again I think this is the best work Snyder has done at DC at least since Black Mirror. Yeah, I agree with both you guys completely. It, this issue, to me, one of the signs of a good comic is when it does something that you don't think you want and you enjoy it. And I don't thought I thought I never needed to hear John Stewart talk about Zanshi ever again. <laughs> yes, and yet that that scene was handled pretty well. And it, and and there's a great there, the the Jorge Jimenez panel that is the um, the flashback to that with him and John mm. has a cosmic odyssey vibe to it. Like it is not purpose. It is not an over the top Mignola like uh pastiche, but just the way that John's sort of um, posture is, is, is incredibly uh, Mignola esque. And it was, I was really impressed with that panel above everything else in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the framing on that Joker and Hawk, hot girl page yeah with like her wings it it, oh 
that's a really well designed page. Mm-hmm. This is this is great. We also got a little bit of what Scott Snyder had talked to us about on the podcast, which is we see like Mr. Terrific show up in in the uh in the Hall of Justice, where you know, we're seeing heroes pop up here and there who maybe aren't part of the actual team but are gonna be a part of the book on and off, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is so good, guys. Yeah. Very good. All right. Let's talk about Man of Steel number six. Written by Brian Bendis, illustrated by Jay Fabok. Um, the conclusion of the weekly miniseries, we get the we get a lot more of the Lois and John story, in addition to sort of the uh the end of the Rogelzar or at least the end for now, the Rogelzar stuff. So let's let's sort of uh, take these two parts separately. Let's start with the Rogelzar, because I think we could all agree that's the less interesting part of this. What did you guys think of the way that this issue wrapped up this story? Zach, you go first. Um, I mean, yeah, it's definitely the l- l- lesser of the two in terms of, um, you know how compelling it is it i thought it was cool that Kara, you know kind of came in and wrapped things up i mean it was pretty clear that i thought bendis's explanation for why clark didn't use the phantom zone was really nice and, and but it all, was and very also Superman-y. yeah and it highlighted i thought it was a really good story beat and i feel like it it's a small thing, but it really does kind of lay some fertile, um, you know, groundwork for the new Supergirl run. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of highlights the differences in the characters. Um, Supergirl is much more of like a pragmatist here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Zach. I thought that the, um, again, the in-story reason for Superman not using the Phantom Zone was good. I think that the Rogelzar story is sort of... I, I hate... The, I think the word MacGuffin is overused here, like in, in discussion of plot devices, but I think that ultimately it's the... This, is, this book matters because of the John and Lois stuff. That sets up the... Um, to me, where Superman and action are going to be more interesting than this, like faux doomsday-ish character, right? But I think that in that in that capacity, what what the character does, especially with the destruction of Kandor, I think is works for this comic. Mm-hmm. It, it's about as good as a nothing villain can be in the grand scheme of things. Vince, what, what say you? Yeah, I I that's a really good way of saying all that. Um, I love the opening page that is, uh, you know, we've had, we've had like a globe or something in every, in the center of every opening page of this so far. And in this one, it's John's head. I think that, I think that dispels any of this nonsense that like, um, Bendis is going to undo. I mean, he's putting him at the center of one of the conflicts of his run, you know? Yeah. 
And whether he's going to be away for a little while or not, he's clearly important to the overall story that Bendis is telling, right? Yeah. Um, let me let me quickly just jump in here and uh, share what our fellow Multiversity podcaster, friend of the show, Kevin Gregory, thinks about this. Um, oh, yeah. Kevin had uh, texted me and said, like, when you read Man of Steel 6, I have, I have a, a theory for you. And he said that he thinks that DC is going to relaunch Adventure Comics with Jarrell, John, and uh, Lois across space. That would be awesome. Lois wearing Superman's outfit too. That yeah. would be that would be fantastic. Um, the Rogelzar stuff is whatever, um, but I continue to enjoy this like firefighting uh, sort of bookend that we get here at the end with whatever her name is. Melody Moore, what was that? It Mandy <laughs> Moore, I think is Man, yeah, Mandy Moore. Yep, Mrs. Ryan Adams. I've been ooh ooh Brian. <laughs> Sorry, the former Mrs. Ryan Adams. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, he's an asshole. Um, so I hear. Um, yeah, I like that. I think the I think the emotional impact of. Lois and John leaving really hits. Agreed. Um, the emotional impact of that page of um, uh, Superman and Supergirl and the Justice League launching those mini bottles. Yeah. Was I thought that was a really cool double pa- double page spread. Agreed. Um, yeah, yeah, this was great. Bendis Superman is good. Who'd have guessed? Who'd have thunk it? Yeah, I, I really, I'm struggling to come up with any major problems I have with this miniseries. And that's, yeah, I don't think I have any. That's crazy to me. <laughs> um, I think that you know, Bendis has been quoted as saying that you know this that his Superman run is going to do like everything that makes DC DC. And he wants to go to the furthest reaches of the DC Universe to make this a memorable run. And I feel like this introduces a lot of ways for that to happen. I think that, you know, I, I believe now it's been it's been announced that his Superman run is going to be about his search for Clark and... and start rather, for John and Lois. And I think the action stuff is going to be more of, like, traditional Superman stories. Um, and I think that both of those are going to be really interesting. I, I'm i a big fan of this. I, I do want to talk about the one bit at the end that I'm not sure how I feel about it. I think it's an interesting story beat, but I don't know if it's going to be, if it's a fake out or not. The idea that Superman is the one starting the fires... Yeah, well, we didn't start them. So, <laughs> is it too soon for me to start um, trumpeting Superboy Prime? Is it too <laughs> soon? <laughs> Never too soon. Never on this show, Zach. You don't ever feel sheepish about that. Okay. Well, Superboy Prime. There you um, go. There I said it. I I wonder if it's not some sort of John that's come back to, from the future or something like the. If John's worried about wiping people out one day, you know, mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if he's some sort of future John come back to 
be an asshole. That reminds me of something I did really want to mention with this is just, you know, we already saw some of it in the previous issues with Jor-El, but like how willing Bendis is to play with recent continuity. Like this builds directly out of the the Teen Titans Super Sons crossover thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They and, talk in explicit and, detail on that. And directly out of the um the like Mr. Oz stuff. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like that that really surprised me and gave me a lot of hope. Um just for Bendis' intentions with the book. Yeah, I think we were all afraid that Bendis was going to come in and throw away all the stuff we've enjoyed about Superman over the last few years, but it seems like he's done the exact opposite. It seems mm-hmm. like he's come in and is really embracing his role as part of the current DC roster and is is just sliding into the story in a way that seems respectful of what's come before, but also full of some new ideas. I think of everything he did, the only thing I have reservations about is just I love the idea of Kandor as a place that exists in Superman comics. Mm. So getting rid of Kandor hurts a bit. Mm. But we know, Yeah, that's fair. We know it'll be back somehow. Um, but yeah. Anything else to say? Mm-mm. All right, let's talk about Nightwing number 46, written by Ben Percy, illustrated by Chris Mooneyham. I know for the first two issues, Vince and I were higher on this arc than Zach was. So, Zach, let's start with you. What did you think of this issue? Man, I think if I am picking up anything from Ben Percy's comic book work is that he just... He just loves to ship and like write. <laughs> he he just like I mean jumping from Ollie and and Dinah to to Dick and Babs like he just likes to write superheroes hooking up and and talking about hooking up. What a fun sexy time for him. He's having a great time. This but book whips ass, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I love this book. That... First of all, they're they're going into the intellectual dark web, yep. which, we, <laughs> which we all know is populated by lobsters and uh, five foot three gentlemen. <laughs> this is all deep Twitter shit. <laughs> That's why it's the dark web. Right. And I love it's the unintellectual dark web, though. It is because we un- just don't you just don't get it. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Uh, I love. I love that uh, Dick is basically Daredevil right now, <laughs> essentially. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is, Which yeah, works this, really well. Yep. Yep. I, I love. I love the way Mooneyham stages everything. I love the Dick Babs stuff. This is better. This is better than Percy's. Green Arrow, even. 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 <laughs> Zach, have you come around on this a little bit? So, I think, again, I do agree that um, 
plot wise it, it is better than green arrow um green arrow just was so great artistically and nothing against mooneyham like mooneyham is really good but i definitely like just stylistically prefer um you know the um oh gosh and now i'm a terrible person because i'm blanking on Otto schmidt uh yeah on Otto schmidt and and even um even the other artist um juan Ferreira. yeah man why did i just forget both of those we got you it's late it's late um I artistically like I I adore that book um in terms of art and and if this was like an Otto Schmidt joint I'm I think I would be a little bit higher on it but it is good this is this is good not uh not JRJR <laughs> I love Mooneyham's style and I think he's doing great things in this book I um I am really enjoying this. I I think that this fits in really well with the recent run of um, of Dick Barber stories, and uh, yeah, it's just it's it's interesting. It's doing some fun weird stuff. I love Dick's visor he's wearing here. <laughs> it's like the world's biggest Cyclops visor. It's uh this is good. This is a good comic. I think I've got the real tired wired meme. The the real one is is tired Bruce and Selena marriage. Wired is Dick and Babs marriage. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. I'm in. Alright, let's plow through these these last three because it is quite late. Uh Shade the Changing Woman number five, written by Cecil Cuts. Castellucci, illustrated by Marley Zarconi. Uh, we sort of easily, or not easily, is the wrong word. The end game is becoming much more clear for this book after this issue. Yeah. Yeah, yep. so I know you guys, I've been way higher on this book um, because obviously I'm the only intellectual on this podcast and can follow what's <laughs> happening. Um <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I I love this. I I I like this book a lot. I'm gonna be sad it's gone. I think it is. Oh, it's really hard for me to say what I like better between this and Eternity Girl, but this is way up there. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. But my my actual comments on the issue are pretty similar to what I've been saying. Um. But I think I think it's interesting how she's using Rack Shade in this. I I definitely did not expect that to to mess with that character in this way. Yeah, I'll agree with that for sure. And I loved the backup two weeks in a row or two months in a row where I really loved the backup. The backup to this. was the best part of this issue, I think. All yeah. of the backups for this, I think, for Shade the Changing Woman have been really great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the, because with they the... have like mostly been about like Green Lantern, uh, <laughs> uh, whatever his name is, Lepu, I think, or something like that. Lee Lee Puck. Lee Puck, that's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And and I love how it's going to kind of dovetail mm-hmm. into into ne- next month's finale. So, um, yeah, yeah, great book, Young Animal. 
buy buy anything young animal it's 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 good support shit like that agreed agreed uh curse of brimstone number four for a second i thought this was going to be the book that zach came around on no i, I actually didn't read this <laughs> written Aww. by justin jordan illustrated by fanta pantica um Eduardo Pensica. Why did I say Fernando? Eduardo Pensica. Um, this is fine. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, it's big news for the for fans of the Batman who laughs. This is yeah. a must must buy issue for them. Um, but yeah, other than that, they just they like meet. This is very like. Walking Dead, almost. They feel like they're they feel like they're at the end of the world, like end of civilization, and yeah, all they've I got is each that. other. Um, and they meet, and of course they meet this guy who ends up. They end up not trusting, and it's very it's very Walking Dead. <laughs> it was supposed to be Ghost Rider. It's supposed to be a Ghost Rider ripoff, but it's a Walking Dead ripoff. I think that's fine. That's fine. I it's think fine. parts of this issue work pretty well. Um, I don't think the Batman Who Laughs stuff is the part that works very well. No. No. But that's okay. And last but not least, we got The Unexpected, number two, written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by Carrie Nord. Um, this is like the most uh, Orlando book it's ever been. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it it rocks. It's really good. It's super fun. It's um, I I actually can't believe that it's being published in this way because there's almost nothing in here for for a casual fan to to dig into. Yeah. No, you know the, none of the characters are recognizable to anyone. There is a tenuous connection to metal that they do touch on for like a page. But uh, it's pretty closely tied to metal. Oh, oh no! It's yes. I'm sorry. Uh, what I mean is, it's it's very closely tied to metal. But what I mean is, like, there's not elements from metal carrying over that you would. The impetus for all of this is metal, and they talk about that quite a bit. But there's nothing like overtly coming well, out of. You know what I mean? Excuse, excuse me, Vince, but there's literally an nth metal element in this book. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're not giving us the Batman who laughs, which is what everybody wants. <laughs> okay, right? okay, okay, there, okay. There is a challenges the unknown crossover, which is awesome, and I love the little Robin bot that she's working on. Uh, that is, oh, okay, okay. Isn't that a DC that, one million thing? That is a DC yeah, one million yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like, also, I mean, we're getting our unofficial, another unofficial Final Crisis sequel here. Yeah. Steve Orlando's going to write Final Crisis 2 Electric Boogaloo, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He, he probably is. If anybody is, it's him. And it's got, like, a great, like, deep cut from that because there's the scene... I, 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 don't, I don't have the PDF up. I'm looking on Comixology, but there's a panel of, like mid issue of just Mandrak's face and he and he says something like tell me superman what shall i engrave on your tombstone yep. which like harkens back to the the end of superman beyond um with the like to be continued thing and oh man <laughs> orlando's doing the good work here 
Yeah, this is this is that this is that good DC shit. It's DC porn. Yeah. Well, that does it for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. We truly appreciate it. Let's briefly look ahead to next week. Our uh, our favorite segment on the show. <laughs> uh, we got the uh, the second part of Brian Hill's tech run. We have Eternity Girl number five. Mm. We are marching ever closer to the end of How Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps with issue number, uh, what is it? 48. 48. 48. Okay, yeah. Uh, Surprisingly good Hawkman number two. Oh, haven't read it yet, but thank you for spoiling that. Appreciate that. Uh, Michael Cray. Red Hood. Um, Superman number one by Bendis. There we go. The Flash number 50. Titans number 23. Ooh, baby. It's a big week. It is a big week. And you can tweet at all of us about this big week on, uh, obviously on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. I'm at LCD underscore Lound System. And I'm at Wilker Fox. And, uh, yeah, tweet me tweet me those uh, Green Lantern picks. And yes. <laughs> How about this? I, I legitimately have some stuff to give away. So if somebody can get all five, we'll send you a care package. <laughs> uh, that's at Wilker Fox. At Wilker yes. Fox. Worst movie date ever. I think I hold the the reigning. Oh, uh, I want to go. I want to go up against you for this. So go ahead, tell me yours. Okay, okay. Mine, mine is uh, World Trade Center. (laughs) 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 You win.